Today, in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and the current situation in the country today and the hashtag Blackout Tuesday on social media, I wanted to raise awareness for more Black voices um, and hashtag Amplify Black Voices myself. Um, and my tools are somewhat limited. I know this is not um, something I can understand as um, a woman who is white, but I do want to use my platform to lift up the voices of others, including um some of the authors who I've already had on, uh, whose voices I think deserve to be heard again around now. So I'm re-releasing my episode with Glory Edom, who's the founder of Well-Read Black Girl, which is a Brooklyn-based book club and online community that celebrates the uniqueness of Black literature and sisterhood. She and I spoke in my apartment, oh my gosh, when was this? I don't know, maybe five months ago or so. And we just had the best time because she established this whole book community and I'm trying to establish this whole book community. And I really look up to her as a, a mentor for how she's um, expanded and uh, created enthusiasm for books and all the rest. And um, well, of course we have so many differences. Um, there's so many similarities in our, in our love of literature. And I just thought I would highlight our conversation um, and amplify her voice in uh, the, the current times that we're in. And I really hope you appreciate it and enjoy it. And yeah, that's it. Um, I hope it helps. Um, I'm trying to do whatever I can to really help uh, this movement. And anyway, enjoy the episode. I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Today's episode has been sponsored by Tink. Lauren Passell and her innovative PR company, Tink, are book-obsessed and podcast-obsessed. Tink specializes in getting authors on podcast tours. Forbes called it the, quote, the first podcast PR company for authors. This is like the coolest idea I have to say. Podcasting is a new wild world and pitching to podcasters like me, I guess, is an art. So Tink specializes in setting authors up for success. To learn more, you can visit tinkmedia.com or subscribe to Lauren's podcast newsletter at podcastthenewsletter.com. So definitely check out Lauren. She's amazing. And for any authors out there, you should definitely check her out for getting your book onto fantastic podcasts like this one and so many other book podcasts out there and all types of podcasts. I'm here today with Glory Edom, who's the founder of Well-Read Black Girl, a Brooklyn-based book club and online community that celebrates the uniqueness of Black literature and sisterhood. In the fall of 2017, she organized the first ever Well-Read Black Girl Literary Festival. She's the editor of the anthology Well-Read Black Girl, Finding Our Stories, Discovering Ourselves. Glory has a background in startups and creative institutions, including Kickstarter, the Webby Awards, and the New York Foundation for the Arts. She received the 2017 Innovators Award from the Los Angeles Book Prizes for her work as a literary advocate. She serves on the board of New York City's Housing Works Bookstore, and she currently lives in Brooklyn, New York. So welcome, Glory. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Well-Read Black Girl, Finding Our Stories, Discovering Ourselves. Tell me about this book. Yes. So this all started from me developing this community, Well-Read Black Girl, online. And I had this love for books that I had read in my childhood and at my college, Howard University. And I wanted to like share that same feeling of being this well-read, educated, vivacious, curious 
black girl in the world. And I felt like there weren't enough representations of uh, black characters. And by starting a book club, starting this like online platform on Instagram and Twitter, I was able to kind of pull everyone together. And we were just sharing our, the love of our first books, whether it was Toni Morrison or Alice Walker or Maya Angelou. We were just having these great conversations about what it means to be a black woman in the world and what it means to be sometimes feeling a little bit isolated and how we can come together and just like change the perceptions of what it meant to be a black woman. And it really, really started because my partner made me this shirt that said, well-read black girl. And I would wear it on the subway and people would start like having conversations with me and talking to me. And and I was like, there's something here. Like I want to really elaborate like and expand what this means to be a well-read person. And now it's turned into like this whole literary movement from that one shirt and that one idea. It's really grown into this whole other new experience. So take me step by step. Yeah. Wear the t-shirt. Yes. People keep coming up to you on the subway. Right, right. Then what happened? Then you got the, then you decided to make an Instagram account? Yeah. So my background has always been in marketing and media. So I studied broadcast journalism at Howard and I've, I've always loved writing and I've ne- I never, until recently, now I'm calling myself a writer and editor, but I was just always someone who was passionate about literature and creative writing. And so I'm wearing this shirt and having these conversations. And so it, Instagram was like a new medium that I was like playing around with and I was curious about. When was this? 2015. Yeah. So my birthday's in December. So the December of 2015, my partner got me the shirt. And then in 2016, in the spring, I actually started a book club. And the first book club actually was not a book by a Black woman. We read Ta-Nehisi Coates's Between the Worlds and Me. Mm. Yeah. And so, and I had, I just had like maybe like eight or 10 people, friends of mine. It was both men and women. And we were talking about the book. And Ta-Nehisi is also alumni of Howard University. And so we were just like really moved by the storytelling and the structure and just like our experiences at Howard. There were a couple of book club attendees that were also alumni. And it was just like this really great, fun experience. Also, I was new to New York, which is like a, a big thing too. I had just moved from D.C., where I'm, I'm originally from. And so I was like craving like fellowship and trying to meet new people. And a book club just felt like the easiest way to kind of like gather new people. And so when you're in a book club, it's like a little bit comfortable to talk to a stranger because you're like, okay, our common like bond here is this book and we can go beyond that. So that's how it happened. So where did you have the book club? We, we did it. And at the time I was like, I was working in Dumbo and there was a space. There was actually, it was a book space. It's a Varso um, Books. They have a space in Dumbo. And so we hosted it there. I had a friend who like had access to that space. And so, yeah, we hosted it there and it was like, it was really great. And after that, experience. It's like, okay, I want to do this again. And I was reading a book called The Star Side of Bird Hill, which it was the debut book of Naomi Jackson. And she is a native of Brooklyn. She's also from the Caribbean. And the book is beautifully written. It just talks about these two young girls who their mother experiences depression and just like all these kind of just like unexpected circumstances. And suddenly they have to move from their home in Brooklyn and they have to move with their grandmother in the Caribbean. And it's a beautiful coming of age story. And so I read that book and then I went to Greenlight Bookstore where Naomi was signing books. And at this time, I probably had like, I don't know, 
I had less than 100 people on my Instagram, but I was like kind of documenting everything. And so I showed her my Instagram and I was like, I really love your book. It's beautifully written. Me and some friends are going to gather for a book club. Would you like to join us? So Naomi was the first person to come to like the official Well-Read Black Girl book club. And I did a newsletter and invited people and just wasn't, I wasn't thinking like too many people would come. I was like, someone sees this and they join, like, great. But, you know, again, I didn't have, like, these really high expectations. I just was like, okay, I'm going to do it and to see. And so she came. She said yes immediately. And it was so beautiful. Like, she came and not only did she talk about the book, but she talked about her experience as a writer, like, you know, being in MFA programs, her writing process, like, all these things that I wasn't expecting. So it turned into, and a lot of the women that attended were, like, inspiring writers and They were also from the same area that she was from. And so, like, it just, again, we're talking about the book, but it spins off into these other beautiful conversations about identity and about motherhood. I have a really complicated relationship with my mom. So there were themes in the book that, like, stood out to me and resonated with other readers. So that was the one that, the book club that really solidified, okay, like, book club for sure, inviting the author to join us, having it be a debut author, because that also added to the eagerness of her joining us. It was her first book and she was really excited that this group of Black women had can't come to like rally behind her and were supporting her. And it was like this reciprocal just like love for both of us. And now me, Naomi and I are great friends. And it really just started from that one moment where I was like, do you want to come to my book club at Greenlight? You know, like I, I would have never predicted it would have like morphed into this whole other thing simply because I had like the courage to say, you know, to do you want to? Like, will you, can you join us, you know? Yeah. And luckily I have that that very special moment documented because my partner is a filmmaker and he was like, oh, this is cool. Like I'll record a little bit. And so he, he did a little bit of video of all of us talking and Naomi and he like put it together, like almost like a little trailer of the book club. Um, so we were kind of playing with it as just like a creative kind of like side project that we were doing together since he made the shirt for me and, you know, like my love for books and like well read Black Girl is a little bit of a nickname for what he calls me because I'm always like reading, especially like before like we go to sleep. I like I'm like don't talk to me. <laughs> like I'm just like trying to read a little bit to before bed. But yeah, that's that's how it started from yeah that one question. Wow. And now you have an agreement, right, with the ABA that you do. Yes. You have these pop ups yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So I at one point I was like, this is growing beyond me, and I want to make sure that. Indie bookstores are represented. I wanted to make sure that this was something because that's I owe. I love independent bookstores. I'm from DC, so Politics and Prose is one of my favorite bookstores in DC. And now in New York, I I tend to go to Greenlight a lot as well as Word and Books Are Magic. Mm -hmm. So I like I love independent bookstores. That's that's how that's how I buy my books. And ABA is the American Booksellers Association. And I was at a conference and I was talking to one of their lead strategists about just like how I could. Expand. And she's like, you know what? We should do a partnership. Her name is Joy. She's just amazing. She's actually there. Uh, now she's their COO, I believe. You can like fact check that for me. But Joy is so amazing. And she just was like, okay, we, we like work with every single bookstore in the country. Like what's like, why don't we do a partnership where you share your recommendations and you can work directly with the bookstores and the booksellers? Um, and I was like, 
okay, great. So we did like a pilot and we kind of, you know, figured out like how to do a newsletter. And I went to their Winter Institute this year, which was awesome. And everyone is just so excited. Like, and it, it ranges from like, you know, bookstores in West Hollywood, like Book Soup, to, you know, small bookstores in Maine or in, in Atlanta, Chicago. They're, like everyone kind of, they're, I'm giving them the books, but they're able to adapt and make the book clubs to to fit their community. So for example, one book club, it's a well-read black girl book club, but they're really focused on teens. So they do all YA books and they, you know, they read stories that I suggest, but they also come sometimes pick some classics and, you know, kind of adapt it to what they're interested in. And I've gone to visit some of the bookstores. Like I went to Detroit to go visit the booksellers at Sourcebooks, which is really awesome. I've definitely gone to, you know, I'm, I'm in LA a lot. So I, I love visiting Book Soup. They've like found a really great way to integrate it into their marketing. So they do a lot of social media. So everyone kind of like does their own thing with it, but it's still under like the banner of well-read Black girl. And the focus is still, you know, supporting Black women writers as well as non-binary writers and, you know, writers of color. And it's really about like pushing the diversity initiative in a way that feels genuine and really is making like real change. Like you can see the conversations you can see the bodies in the bookstore that are in- introducing new communities. Some bookstores have started partnerships with schools and community centers. And people are being innovative about how to just introduce new diverse books into their stores, into their communities. And it's not just about like saying, oh, we have this cover where there's a lovely person on the, you know, on the, you know, person of color on the cover. It's like it's more than that. It's like actually like introducing these books and having conversations and dialogue. And it's really community-driven and intergenerational as well. Like, I love the fact that, like, moms and daughters come in together and they have conversations. And it's just it's just more, it's, again, and it's, it's like something I could not have predicted, right? Like, the, that conversation with Joy really changed my perspective on how I could expand and how I can grow. Because I still do a lot of stuff by myself, you know? It's, it is, like, my, myself and some volunteers. I'm still trying to figure out the infrastructure of, like, the business. But ABA has been an awesome partnership. It's been so cool. And tell me about the Literary Festival. Oh, my gosh. So, okay. (laughs) So much to talk about. So two years in, in 2017, after the book club had been going and had been pretty consistent for two years, I decided that I wanted to do another thing. I was like, we should do a festival. And this idea came about because I was having a conversation with Tiari Jones, who I'm a huge fan of her work. And I had the opportunity to meet her at a gala where I was there because of Toni Morrison. We were honoring Toni Morrison. It was the Authors Guild Gala. And it was like the first kind of like fancy event I, I was like going to as well, we're a black girl representative. And I was like, very shy. Of course, I was like kind of waving in the corners, like, you know, bowing down to Miss Morrison. And Tiari just came up to me and we like started having a conversation and she just was so warm and glowing. And I'm, you know, like fangirling inside, kind of like doing like cartwheels because I love this author. Like I've read all her books. I love like Silver Sparrow. And at that time she had not published American Marriage yet. It was like right, just about to I come out. I loved that book, by the way. So incredible, so incredible. And so, but she like, her presence and her warmth is just, it. she's like sun. Like she just like fills you with so much warmth. And I met her and immediately felt like I had a new friend. And and so we were having this conversation and I was writing, we decided to share a cab 
home together because we we were uptown and we were going back to Brooklyn together. And in that car, we were just having these great conversations. And one, I told her this idea. I was like, I think at one point I want to do a literary festival. But again, it was like 2017. So I was like planning for next year. And she looked at me like, you should do it this year. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. I'd have to do a keynote. I'd have to do all this stuff. I was like, I don't know if I have the time and energy to like plan a festival in six months. And she was like, no, you can do it. She's like, I'll come. I'll be like one of the main people. I'll help you. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I was, and again, we had just met. So just like, oh my God, I don't know. Like, that's a lot. But she was just so adamant about it. And and her passion, her excitement made gave me confidence that I could do it. So I was like, okay. So Two weeks later, I planned a Kickstarter. I did a crowdfunding campaign. I reached out to the authors that had already participated in the book club in the past to see if they were available to be part of it. Everyone was so gracious. The community was on board and it worked. Like we ended up raising like $30,000. We had Terry there. We had Jacqueline Woodson. We had Morgan Jerkins. We had Ashley Ford. All these people I definitely consider just like amazing authors and friends now, like, throughout the years. Okay, you're going to have to, like, connect me to some of these people who oh I would my God. be, like, dying amazing. to have on this podcast. Yes, of okay, course. Of At, course. We'll, we'll regroup after. <laughs> so it was just, like, all these amazing people were in the room, and we were having this conversation. And then, you know, thankfully, there was amazing press, too. So it just was, like, this movement that... Everything was kind of falling into place. And so now that was in 2017. And we just did our third festival last year in 2019. And and I added a second day. So I added a family day because moms, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's so important to like help the moms and the kids. And so I added a family day this year. And and I just can't wait. Like, I can't wait. I'm trying to figure out this year. Like, the, I'm still doing logistics, like the venue and stuff, where we're going to have it in November. And it's going to be great. Like, I can't, I think, like, I'm excited about year four, but I think year five is really going to be it. You know, I'm just like, five is like our big year. We're going to plan even, you know, I'm just really, it's been great. And so that's kind of like the, the, outside of the book clubs, the the festival is really like our banner event. Everyone comes in. It feels like a, like a big family reunion of sorts, everyone. And we have, and now I've been able to find a way to really produce it in a way where I understand how things work now. So I'm like really focusing on genre. I've invited a lot of academics to participate. And this year we had Sadia Hartman come, which was just like, so inspiring. Her book, Wayward Lives, really changed the way I've been looking at how one uses the archive and how we can like tell our histories through preserving, you know, images and photos of the past. And it, it just like has opened up my mind. So many great things. So many great things. So that's the festival. Amazing. Yeah. So how like this is like a silly question, but like how inclusive versus exclusive is this event to all sort of yeah. races? Because like I'm obviously not Black, I'm white, but yeah. this sounds like an amazing event. I'd want to take my kids to the no, family incredible. day, but is it only for Black people? Well, you know, I mean, it's a space that is, like, centered on the stories and narratives of Black women and Black families. And we do definitely invite allies to participate and join us. And I think it's really about having people centered on the mission. So if you are supportive and understand that this is a space for Black women to congregate and you want to be, you want to join in in order to like uplift and to learn more, definitely. I think also another thing that I'm very keen of that there's so many children, mothers that that we, everyone has like a different family. So there's like biracial families, there are folks that adopt Black children. And so I, I don't want to isolate 
like people on on this premise that there's like this is only for black people, but you have to understand like this is a space centered on blackness. And if you want to be in it, you have to be there's a mindset that you have to kind of like adopt in order to, you know, decenter yourself, you know? So it's like so many times when I'm walking to the room, I am the only black person, whether it's in a corporate environment or I mean with the exception of my college experience, I definitely decided to go to a historically Black college because I wanted to kind of figure out who I was in the world when I wasn't being compared to someone else, when I didn't feel like I was being tokenized, you know? And that experience in college really, I am confident there's no way I could have developed Well-Worth Black Girl without that because I feel confident in every space. Um, and I don't feel like I'm like minimizing myself or trying to code switch, you know, as people call it, like I'm always just being myself. And so, yeah, like I think that when it comes to people entering, it's just like if you understand and if you really want to learn and kind of just like sit back, you know, it's like not about like like always asking the question and always being at front and center. It's like, okay, let me see what this is and I really appreciate it. And even when it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, that's okay. But I'm here to learn. And I think if you come in with that attitude, it's you are more than welcome. But if if someone comes in and they suddenly like, I think we should be reading this instead. I'm like, this isn't the book club for you. If you think you, if, if there's a lot of objections or if there's a lot of kind of like, you know, sometimes you walk into a room, people really want to create tension or friction just because, or just I to be like controversial. I feel like those people are everywhere. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter what you call your book club. It's, like, it's true. It's true. There's like people that don't like, don't really want to like engage and learn. They just want to just like be argumentative, you know? And like, it's like all of Twitter. It's Twitter. It literally is Twitter. Like, I cannot have Twitter inside the book club, you know? And Twitter is a, a valuable tool. And I think it has, social media has like lent exposure and visibility when it's used like in a way that's like really innovative and it gives people more platforms and space, but it could also be really toxic too. So, I mean, there's been moments where I've been on Twitter where people have said something that I disagree with and I'm like, should we talk on the phone? <laughs> because because I'm just like, there's like sometimes there's not enough context or nuance on, on Twitter and things can, even on email, things can get really like confusing very quickly. I just had a moment where someone was emailing me and I was like, oh, I think she thinks I'm upset and I really am not upset about something. Something. So it's like, we should get on the phone or we should get in person. And I, I think that was another reason why I was very adamant about always having the book club in person, not only doing things online, because I love I love in-person contact. I love like communicating in person with people. I love the festival because there's an energy and there's a like there's a, just a feeling you get when you're in person and you're connecting with someone like one-on-one, you know, like you can't emulate that on Twitter and you can't do that on Facebook. You can't do that on, what's the other one? Instagram, <laughs> you know? So it's really important for you to be in contact with people and like communicate with them. I, you're like preaching to the choir. <laughs> I feel like so much of what you're saying, I feel like I could say and just have it be slightly different. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's nothing that replaces being in person yeah. and looking up and talking. Right. I mean, like, how fun is this? Like, I, I get know. to, you know, hear your perspective and we both love books so much. Yes. And, you know, when I asked if I could come, it was more like, I love really hearing all people's stories. Like, right. I like books of all different, like, I don't, when I evaluate books, at yep. least, I don't, sometimes I don't know what race the person is who's writing right, the book. Like, right. if it's a good story, like, yeah. that's the story I want to read. And yeah, yeah, and it's so amazing because I, I love the conversations that were, you know, as a Black writer, there's so many things that are just focused on 
race that it can take away from craft, you yes. know? Yeah. And that is that is super problematic because the the writing, every book that I select, I'm like looking at sentence structure, I'm looking at exposition, I'm looking at, I'm just like, I'm looking at the quality of the book, yeah. you know? And it's, I'm what I'm saying is this is no less of quality simply because it's a Black writer. No, why like, would it be? Why would it be? No. But some but, people would, you know, oh, question stop. that. No, they you will. Know? Really? And it's, it's, I mean, it's crazy, but, the, the, but that's the thing. And that's why, like, the publishing industry is, you know, has really taken to the movement because it's like I'm. I have this platform where I'm able to like profile and like really uplift these stories. And in my mind, I'm like, this isn't new because I've been reading. You know, I've been reading these books forever. You know, why isn't why aren't these on the forefront of the you know the minds of so many different readers? Like, why are we like sectioning things off as like this is you know a black genre? Like, no, like this is. These are great storytellers, and they deserve the recognition. Do you feel like they're being sectioned off, like at in times. bookstores and stuff? Like, oh, yeah, at times. I mean, I think things are changing, but yeah, definitely. Like they're definitely like with with Terry. Like Terry, I mean, I've been reading her since the nineties, you know. And like Oprah's book club that was just picked two years ago, and now there's like such a big boom. She's been writing for a very, very long time, and she's been an incredible writer from the beginning. You know, I'm so glad that Oprah selected her and gave her her proper like accolades. But now she's in the quote unquote mainstream. I've been reading her forever, you know. And like Silver Sparrow, it's being re like published and uh, re released, but. That book is can stand right next to American Marriage, and there is no separation. But now she's being discovered, you know, years later. And I think, yeah, of course, things take time. I feel like the same thing. I have writers that I've been following for twenty years. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how amazing! Now, like, but I was in college or something. Right. This is what got me through, like, exactly. a weekend in college that I remember like it was yesterday. And now, finally, now look at this. Author. Yeah, and now that you know, sometimes it's like it's just it's about time. But you know, I think there it is more challenging as a black writer to get that like that boost you know and I've seen I've seen the difference like it, it makes when I post something on Instagram I see when people say I'm pre-ordering now you know and like that, that I love that you know and I don't get you know I'm not getting like a royalty check for every like <laughs> like heart or like thumbs up I just want to know that I'm having my small impact on changing what the canon looks like and making sure like if, if there is any kind of ROI that's happening in this, it means that people are buying their books and they have the ability to be on bestseller lists and they can like, you know, continue to have a body of work where it's not just like one great debut novel. It is a body of work. There's series of books. There's, I can be a lifelong follower of their work. Like right now, I'm really excited about Britt Bennett's next book. I think, I believe it's called The Vanishing or Vanishing. But her first book, The Mothers, we read it for the book club. You know, it was her first debut. And just, like, I loved it. And we were, we had so many great conversations. And now she's writing her second book. The same thing with Nicole Dennis-Ben. We all read Here Comes the Sun together. And then her second book, Patsy, we read it together. And it just, I mean, now it's just like, it's, it goes beyond just like, okay, this is your debut book. This is just like, how can we like be fans of yours forever? And I love that. And I, I love, I, I love just like, I love reading, you know? Well, I think some of the power of reading, and I know a lot of the people who contributed essays to this anthology feel the same way. I think there's two things that are really powerful. One is the ability to see yourself. Yes, right? 100%. Identify something that maybe you haven't articulated and you see it in a book and you're like, oh, I feel so understood. Mm-hmm. And there's that like sort of humanizing, amazing element of, 
being seen or being understood or right. helping you sort out your own things. Right. But then I also think it's really important to get other people's point of view. Oh, yeah. And that like, okay, maybe, you know, I wasn't in this country at this time, but that's such an interesting story. Or, yeah. Right, getting yeah. other people's point of oh, views. And of I feel like things right now, there's like so much divisiveness in the culture. Yeah. And I think now more than ever, not to feel it, not to be on any sort of platform, but it's so important to understand right. other people's point of views and remember that like, ultimately we all are like, moms like yeah. or women or men or going through the same things every day and we may look different and we may have different cultures but like some of those fundamental human thoughts and feelings it's all the same yeah it really is I and so why like keep all these like borders like I, I don't know yeah no it's really complicated because I think there are lo- less spaces where we can come together and have like honest dialogue about things but books allow us to kind of go through the perspective of another person and just like really take in their insight yes. and and just like be with ourselves. Like, would I do that? How do I feel about that? You know, and like make a decision without, you know, feeling threatened or judged by another person. Because yep. I think a lot of times people are afraid of judgment. They're afraid of being wrong. And that has actually been one thing that's helped me excel. I've gone into spaces where I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm really okay with admitting that. I'm okay with like being wrong. I'm okay with asking questions. I'm okay with quote unquote looking stupid. Cause I'm just like, well, how else will I learn? You know? And when people ask me questions about like how you did this, I'm just like, I don't know. I just like really experimented. And I also give credit to being in a space where I did work up work in like startup spaces. And that's all about like iterating and pivoting. And I watched a lot of men excel. And clearly not know what they're doing, you know? And so I'm just like, that. that is what everyone is doing every day. We're just trying our best. And if you can kind of like work through the failures of whatever you're doing, you will, it will eventually lead to a success. And I think also being patient with yourself is so vital because had I had kind of given up after a year where I consistently had, again, like under 100 followers, for the first year, like I remember being at Christmas one year, I was with my little brother and I was like really geeking out because something happened. I don't know who like retweeted me, something happened and I started getting all these followers and like the whole day on Christmas, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I was like, oh, so excited. And my brothers were like, what are you doing? Like, what is this world? And my mom still doesn't know what, like she's super supportive, but she, my mom was a registered nurse. She just was like, you have, this is your job. Now she really has no full understanding, but she just is supportive and loving. I think every time she comes to the festival, she gets it a little bit more. This year, she became like a little bit of an event producer. She was nice. in the back, you know, she was like hanging out with talent. She stayed with Stacey and Chin like the whole time. It was hilarious. But she sees it and she's like, okay, like this is your work. This is like your growing community. She sees it and she starts to understand. But you need time. Like things need time to, to develop organically and you have to be patient with yourself. And it's not about... It just happened instantly. I also think, I mean, just because, again, you've, like, stolen things that were in my mind about my own. Like, no, because in the beginning, I had, like, 20 people downloading right. this podcast. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, I'm just going to try something new or I'm right. going to keep going. And I think part of it, though, is passion. Like, you and I both, like, we yeah. feel so passionately about yeah, what we're doing and exactly. helping spread the word about books that we care about right. and stories that we care about and whatever. And sometimes that's enough. Yeah, right? it is. Like, why would I stop? Like, even if nobody listened tomorrow, I'm I know. still having a blast. That's, that's, so, that's so funny because, yeah, that's how I feel too. Like, I, I do honestly feel that way. Like, there was, like, all this hoopla about, oh, my God, you're going to be, like, the next Oprah and this and that. And I came like, no, no, no. 
Oprah is Oprah, you know? And like, I love and I'm completely obsessed with her and I respect her and I feel like she has set the precedent for so many things, but I just really like wanted to make new friends and read books and like, and that was it. And now it's grown into something else. And now I do what has changed is like, I do feel like an immense responsibility. I do feel like there is when things happen that are really just like irresponsible. Mm-hmm. I do feel like I have a platform and a space to speak out and help others. I do feel like I have, I'm gaining more power. I'm feeling more confident in myself to challenge things. Mm-hmm. And so it's not simply about just, okay, I'm making friends or reading books. Like I'm really trying to make an impact that is lasting. And I want, I see so much of the work that I'm doing as part of my own individual legacy. So writing the book was so crucial for me because that shit, they shifted so many things. It was like, okay, this is not only on a digital space. This, like, isn't a book. I have a book. Like, I, you can, like, find this book 10 years from now, 100 years from now. Someone's going to pick it up and read it and be moved by it and feel the way I felt when I was 19 and I read Toni Morrison, you know? So, like, it was really crucial for me to create something, like, offline that was a beautiful, like, piece of art, you know? Let me read just a couple of quotes because yeah. I know we're, like, almost out of time here and I could talk to you all day. <laughs> and you are, like, such a role model for me, by the oh way. Oh, like, If I could grow this, my, like, little platform into Yay! what you've created. Anyway, so you're, like, a total role model, just FYI. Oh, so anyway, so I'm just going to read quickly a couple of quotes. In your introduction, you wrote, reading highlights the intersection of narrative and self-image to create compelling explorations of identity. Reading allows us to witness ourselves. Being a reader is an incredible gift, providing me with a lens to interpret the world. Most important, it has invigorated my imagination and allowed me to choose which narratives I want to center and hold close. That was amazing. I was like star when I'm ready. (laughs) You also said, so this was a quote from Danielle Clayton is talking about reading Coffee Will Make You Black by April Sinclair. And she said, not much happens in the book, but when I read it, everything happened for me. It was the right book at the right time, which as a former librarian, I can tell you is the most important thing in the entire world. Yeah, which I completely I'm yeah. sure you agree with yeah. I mean, the well, right book at the right time yeah. is like life changing. One more quote. Carla Bruce Eddings talks about being shy. She says she preferred to, quote, observe to twirl around in the fascinating constellation of my own mind where I could entertain myself by creating stories about the people around me, mm-hmm. which is like a beautiful way to take being shy. And then one last quote from Jacqueline Woodson. She said, I knew as soon as as I started that writing was the thing that brought me the greatest joy. So just to close, do you think reading is bringing writing is bringing the greatest joy or is it this connection that writing can bring to the world oh I love it it's all of it it's the writing it's the reading it's being in in close proximity to the the readers themselves and building community I think writing for me right now is it's the greatest joy but also the greatest challenge right because I'm reading all these incredible books all of the time and I want my writing to be as worthy and as, as as excellent as Jacqueline Woodson, as Sarah Broom, as Veronica Chambers, people that I admire and I really want my I want my work to be like long lasting. So I've just been taking a lot of time to study and to revise and edit and change things. And it's, I mean, write, it's writing is difficult. Writing a book is really hard, <laughs> you know? Like it's one thing to edit this and curate, which I feel like I've, I'm learning and I've, I've mastered that to a certain degree. But writing a book like alone is a whole other experience. So it's been taking me to another 
part of my mind and just expanding what I can do as a creative artist. And I'm I'm like up to the challenge, but I know it's going to take me a long time. And and that's and that's okay. Um but it's going to be, you know, I'm I'm going to be a new mom soon, so I'm excited to be like I can like share this with my son and uh, and again, it's another part of like my legacy that it'll be it'll be there when I'm gone and and hopefully well-read black girl will still be there when I'm gone. Like I'm really working hard to create like a cultural institution that serves as like a almost like a digital archive of all these amazing new contemporary writers that are coming out because it's about the past, but it's also looking about the, looking towards the future and how we can continue to have intergenerational conversations. So yeah, yeah, it's like it's all it's all those things. Okay, and, parting advice to aspiring authors. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, ooh, parting advice to inspiring authors. I would say to innovate and take risk with your writing. Really play with form and structure. Don't be afraid to just be yourself on the page, whatever that looks like. Like the books that I'm drawn to, always really play with dialogue and are like really forward thinking and with how they want to approach their their work just be be yourself and you know and stand out as much as possible and the the writers that some of the writers that we like love and really support today like Audre Lorde they weren't necessarily so popular during their their time period. So think about that, like think less about popularity and more about craft and quality and you want the quality of your work to be outstanding. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Glory, for all of this. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, Bye. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks to Lauren Passell and her innovative PR company, Tink, for sponsoring today's episode. Please check them out at tinkmedia.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Mm-hmm.